Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Can I spend some time today and just take a look back and celebrate what God has been doing all year long? Y'all ready? Can, can, we, can we jump into that? Pastor Jacob and I, we're talking about the health and the growth of our campus, our, our church here. And I told him this, I said, Pastor, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm equal parts giddy and scared to death at the same time. Because God is doing some things, y'all. I'm seeing him move in families. I'm seeing him do things in our community that I never thought was possible. And I'm just amazed at that. Y'all, y'all know, somebody told me, this, you know that's not normal, Pastor Don. Like, like that may be normal for y'all, but that's not, that's not normal to do that. I had somebody come recently and they said, you know, somebody asked me, how many people were in church? And he's like, I don't know, 150 or so? The guy's like, man, there's almost 700 people here. And what I heard when he said that was, our big church still feels really small. That's you. How many of you realize the bigger we get, the smaller we have to become if we're going to continue to make an impact to individuals in the life? I love that. Things that we've been praying for have been coming to pass. If you don't believe me, show up on Monday night when we get to share all the things that we've been, been, been praying for. And if I'm honest to you, as the pastor here, it's a little sobering. There are moments I wake up and I'm like, God, I just don't want to mess this up. Like, it's just, God's doing it. And can I tell you something that I'm constantly reminded of? It sets the tone for what I want to share with you today. God is building this church. Not, not me. It takes all the pressure off. It's not you. You're, you're not building this church. God is building this church. We just get to be here and do it together. And I love that, that God is building this church. You say, Pastor John, how do you know? Look at me. Because he said he would. And that's the title of what I want to share with you today, simply put, because he said that he would. He said he would. We're going to take a passage of scripture today out of Matthew, and I'm going to share it with you, but I need to set the, st- set the stage here. Jesus and his disciples had been traveling, teaching, and ministering to people. They're headed to a region in northern Israel called Caesarea Philippi. And this place is important. I need you to understand. Caesarea Philippi is in the northern part of Israel. It was part of the tribe of Dan. Those of you that know your Old Testament well, Dan was one of the tribes that never fully eradicated all the enemies of the land that were there when God moved them in. So as a result, that part of Israel had always been plagued with pagan worship and idolatrous worship. Prophets of Baal came from that area. It was just a really dark, dark area. And here Jesus is taking his disciples to this place. Caesarea Philippi was almost built into the side of a rock. There was a Mount Hermon that was up there, had a, had a cliff that this place was built in. And on the side of that cliff, there was a cave. And inside that cave, springs of water would come through and ultimately flow out of there. And the pagan worship, the idolatrous worship was so bad. Here's what they used to do. The pagan worshipers there would throw children as a sacrifice into the water. And if they survived they weren't accepted in their mind. That the enemies they were, the, 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 the uh, gods they were sacrificing to didn't accept them. And if the children drowned and they never saw them again, then they just said, well, they were accepted. I mean, that's some wicked stuff. 
That is so weird. And here, the, all this idolatrous worship. And when the Greeks came, it only got worse. The Greeks came and brought pantheism and all these multiple gods. The God of Pan was there and was worshiped. So here we have Jesus taking his disciples. You need to understand this about Caesarea Philippi. God-fearing Jews did not go there. God-fearing Jews didn't go there. They avoided it. They had given up on that. And how many know Jesus comes to the scene and he says, we're about to do something here. This is Matthew 16, verse 13 and 14. Now Jesus, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Some say this, others are saying this. Let me ask you a question. What are people saying about OSC? What are people saying? You know, people are going to say some things about our church. They're going to say some things about what you're doing, and they're going to say some things about the people that come here. What are people saying about you? What are other people saying about you and the change that's happened in your life and the things that God is doing? Some of us will never know the deep personal cost that many have, have, have paid. When I, when I grew up in my household, my parents were just excited that we'd go to church. It didn't really matter what church we went to, just be in church. And it wasn't until I moved to South Louisiana that I realized there are actually some people that if you're not in the church that they're a part of, it's like you don't even, you don't even exist anymore. That's hard. That's hard. And then not only experience that among a community, but to experience that within the family. Man, some people are saying this, other, other people are saying this. We can't forget that there are people sitting right next to you whose own family has alienated them, not for following Jesus, but for following Jesus to attend a church like ours. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. What, what are people saying? What do, what do other people say? And then Jesus comes on, he says this in verse 15, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am. Jesus was teaching them something important that will make all the difference in how he builds his church, and it's this. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? It doesn't matter what some say. It doesn't matter what others say, and that's why I want you to hear from God. That's why, if, listen, if a man can talk you into it, then a man can talk you out of it. I'm not interested in trying to convince you about following Jesus. I want to create a place where you can come and hear from Jesus yourself, experience him in worship, and then see the change that's happening in people, and let God speak to you so that you can decide, this is where I need to be, this is what I need to be doing, this is where I need to go. But you have to be plugged in to a place in order to be able to distinguish the difference between what you're saying what you're feeling, what other people are saying, what other people are feeling in the middle. That's why we need the church. And I think why I'm so giddy and so excited about what God is doing is I'm watching God build this church with people who are more focused on what God is revealing to them than what other people are saying about them. I'm gonna say that again. I think what excites me the most is this is a church that God is building where people are more concerned with what God is revealing to them than what other people are saying about them. Y'all following me so far? Let's go in our story a little bit more. Look at Peter's response to Jesus' question. Simon Peter replied, verse 16, you are the Christ, 
the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Peter had a divine revelation of who Jesus is, and it didn't come from his own doing or his own understanding. It came straight from the heart of God the Father. How many of you can look back on your own life and you remember that moment, that pivotal moment, that aha moment where God revealed himself to you, revealed Jesus to you? that, that, That moment made all the difference, didn't it? Yeah, Peter was having one of those moments where he said, no, no, I I know what other people are saying, but I know what you're saying to me. It made all the difference. Verse 18, look at this. Jesus continues. He says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How do I know that God is building this church? Because he said he would. Say that with me. Because he said he would. Because he said that he would. And there's a lot happening in this one verse, but I'm going to try to, to break this out for you just a little bit so you can understand. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will build my church. Not you guys, not the disciples, not some pastor, not some staff, not some congregation. Jesus said, I will build my church. Later, following the crucifixion and his resurrection, he's having a similar conversation with Peter. And you remember what he told him? Peter had already denied him and Jesus had risen from the dead and came back to him and was trying to encourage him. Jesus didn't look at Peter and say, hey, go build my church. What did he tell Peter to do? Go feed my sheep. I'll build my church. You go feed my sheep. Can I tell you, Jesus never tells us to build big buildings. No, no. He tells us to build big people. Big difference. We're not here to build a big building and call it a church and look what we did. We're here to create a place where God, through the people in the church, can build big people. Those who are confident, those who are growing, those who are overcoming the things that are in their life. Pastor Don, is there something wrong with big churches? No, there's nothing wrong with big churches unless they're full of small people. And this will not be a church full of small people, this will be a church full of big people And if we continue to make big people and build big lives in this place, God will see that this place continues to grow. Why? Because he's building his church. We aren't here building churches. We're here building lives. How many of you following me? You know what we're doing. Here's the next thing he said. He says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Interesting. Where he chose to say this was so strategic. He's standing in the middle of a hostile culture, a culture known for idolatry and pagan worship. Now, don't miss this. Gates are defensive. They're not offensive. There's a movie came out a while back, Hunger Games, right? Choose your weapon. Everybody runs to the middle. Nobody's running into battle saying, hey, you take the sword, I'll take the gate. It doesn't work that way. Gates are defensive. Say it this way. The kind of church that Jesus is building isn't being attacked. It's doing the attacking. I need to say that again because some of you all haven't registered yet. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The defensive structure that hell has in place is not going to prevail against the attack that Jesus is bringing through the church. Some of us sit around and say, oh, the devil's attacking me because you're not attacking him. 
in the things that he's called you to do. You're struggling in areas and you're thinking, God, I'm just getting beat up all over the place. Listen, the best defense is a stronger offense. Coach Carroll, can I get an amen in the middle of this? If you'd spend more time on offense spiritually, you'd spend less time on defense spiritually. Jesus said, the way I'm building the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And if you're getting beat up by a gate, we need to help you. We need to help you. Listen, it's very easy for churches to stay in their holy huddle on Sunday. But the kind of church that Jesus builds doesn't avoid certain parts of town. We go to it. We go, we go to it. We, we reach them. You heard Tebow last week talk about the church is a rescue mission. There are people that are out there dying. There are people out there drowning. There are people out there starving. We've got to go to them. And Jesus said, the kind of church I'm building, that kind of gate that hell has won't prevail against the things that I'm doing. We are not defensive. We are offensive. The kind of church that Jesus builds doesn't ignore certain kinds of people. Curl your toes in for just a little bit doesn't ignore certain kinds of people. We, we help them, we build them. Can I tell you, there should always be a couple of people here at church that make you feel a little uncomfortable. The moment you start to feel uncomfortable about all the people that are here is the moment we're no longer reaching the people that really should be here. You should walk in and say, ooh, what are they doing here? Yes, yes, because the truth is when you came the first time, we said the same thing about you. The kind of church that God is building, nowhere and no one is too far gone and too far out of reach. And as long as there are empty seats in this place, we're going to keep reaching. We're going to keep building. How many of you know somebody that still needs Jesus? Okay, if you don't have your hand raised, I want you to see me after church. I'll introduce you to some. And listen to me. When we fill this place up, we're going to do another service. And we're going to fill that up and we're going to do another one and another one because God has called us to reach people and build lives, not to hang on to our holy huddle here and wait to see who shows up. We're going to do it. That's the kind of church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Every time I see a new family walk through the doors, you know what that tells me? That God can trust us. That God can trust us. He loves his people more than you and I ever could. And the fact that he would say, man, they need, to learn my, they need to learn about my son. They need a spiritual family. They need somebody that can help them. They're about to go through a hard time. They're in the middle of a hard time. Where could I draw their heart to that they would be cared for, that they would be tended to, that they would be kept? And of all the places in Acadiana, God would choose to lead them to come here. Can I tell you, I don't just say on Sundays, there are a lot of good churches in our area, and the fact that you choose to worship with us honors me. I mean it. I mean it. Every time a new family walks through this door, it tells me God can trust me that much more. And look at me, church. If we'll continue to grow if we'll continue to get stronger, if we'll continue to dig deeper, if we'll continue to grow spiritually ourselves, if we'll continue to take next steps, there's no limit to the number of people God can bring into this place that we can help. 
Yes, I want you to take next steps for you, but I want you to take next steps because there are other people that need you. There are other people that need you. What's on the other side of your obedience? We're gonna need your help. Y'all with me so far? Y'all plugged in? Okay. Here's what else Jesus said. On this rock, I will build my church. Which rock? Which rock is he talking about? Is it Peter? Is, is Peter the rock? Is, is he gonna build the church, the entire church on the gifts and abilities of one man? No, he's not talking about Peter. He's not gonna build the church that he's building on the gifts and talents and the abilities of one man. That keeps me humble. God could jerk me out of this pulpit, put somebody else in, and this place would grow better than it is with me in it. I hope you feel the same way. God's building a church and it's not dependent upon one man's gifts or abilities. How about this? Caesarea Philippi was built against the side of a mountain. It was built on a rock. Is that what he's saying? That he's gonna build his church right there in that one location. Is the kind of church God is building only available in one location? There's only one church where he's gonna continue to work and grow and do it? Answer? No, that's not what he's talking about at all. He's, he's not gonna build churches just in that one location. Well, what rock is left then? He's having this conversation. Who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter says, hey, you're the Christ, you're Christ, you're the Lord. Jesus looks at him and says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. But my God, Father God in heaven has revealed that to you. And on this rock, on the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the son of a living God, that revelation is how Jesus is gonna build his church. That's not just a rock you can build a church on, that's a rock you can build an eternity on. Can I tell you, church, from people just like you, whom God has given a revelation that Jesus is not only Christ, but he's Lord, the son of the living God, he will build his church. Do you know how I know that? Because he said he would. Because he said he would. This place is not full of people who are just hoping that maybe what God's word has said will come true one day. This church is full of people who know, who have had a revelation that Jesus is Christ and Lord, son of the living God, and he's done it in me because he said he would. He's gonna do it in the people that come. And if we'll prepare a place, he will do it. He will do it because he said that he would. And when I look back on this year and all that God has done, I look back at these faces that are smiling back at me and I'm thinking, man, a year ago, they weren't here. A year ago, they weren't here. Now look, now look at what God is doing. It's, it's overwhelming, it's overwhelming. And, and I know he said he would, but if I'm honest to you, sometimes I just sit back and I'm kind of amazed that God is doing it. And I got so convicted the other day, I was thinking about all this stuff and a new year has a way of causing us to look back on last year and, and, and I was just a little blown away at everything that God has done and then it hit me and I'm thinking, God, why am I amazed when God does what he said he would do? Well, think about it. Why am I amazed that God said I would reconcile marriages? Why am I amazed when God said I'm gonna build my church? Why am I amazed when God brings somebody that a year ago never would have darkened the doorsteps of a church like this and yet God is doing it? Why are we amazed when we see God do what he said he was gonna do? Brody, Adrian, why am I amazed that God would resurrect a marriage in such a short amount of time? Why, 
Why am I amazed? He, he said he would do it. He said he would do it. And he is. And he is. And he is. Where's Todd at? There you are, Todd. You're not the same man. You are not the same man. This last year, God has done something in you that is absolutely incredible. Men in your season of life don't have the kind of change that I've seen take place in you. Why am I amazed? I shouldn't be amazed. Why? God said he would do it. Because he said he would. Susan, am I, am I, am I just making this up? We were talking about this the other day. That's a different man that's sitting right there. And I can't be surprised. I can't be amazed because God did what he said he was going to do. Jamie, Adam, where are you guys at? Nielsen, Jamie Nielsen. Y'all were here earlier. Where are you at? You normally sit over here and you moved on me. There you are. See, I tell y'all, y'all quit moving. <laughs> quit moving on me. Adam, to watch your wife plug her gifts into the church, she may have touched more people in here than know that as a result of her putting her hands to something bigger than herself. And this season when you've been out of work with that leg injury, I know men just like that, they would have plugged into the couch. But with all that time off, you've come and plugged into the church and it's made all the difference in your life. And I sit back and I think I'm amazed, but the reality is I can't be amazed. Why? Because he said he would. And the best part, Adam, about you and Jamie's story is not what he's done in you and not what he's done in Jamie, but I'm watching Josie, your daughter, see what God has done in y'all, and I'm telling you there's a confidence building up in that young lady. I can't be surprised. I can't. I can't. Because he said he would do it. Because he said he would do it. Mikel, at 25 years old, to watch God bring the healing that he's brought in such a short amount of time and then to position you to be able to bring that healing to others as you step out and lead groups and walk through that, I'm honored. But I'm not amazed. Because he said he would. Because he absolutely said that he would do it. I want y'all to look around. I'm just telling you, look around, look around. This church is not a young church. It's not full of just young people. There are some of you not young people in here too. Should we be surprised when God builds a church that's full of both the young and the not young? No. Why? Why? I'll stop preaching when y'all talk back to me. We're, we're not going to be surprised when we see small groups full of those in a late season of life and those in an early season of life, where the wisdom that they've learned over the years now has an avenue to be poured out. Some of you are sitting on wisdom and things that God has done in your life, and you're not doing anything with it. That's not the kind of church that God is building. We're both a church of both the spiritually mature and the spiritually immature. That's the kind of church this is. There are those who show up every morning prayed up, and if you're honest, there's a few of you in here that are probably a little hungover too. We're gonna help you with that if you keep coming. But can I tell you, I love that. That's how I know God is building the church. 
It's not me. It's not you. If you and I were building the church, we'd build it with people just like us. And look around, this is not a white church. This is not a black church. This is a church that looks like our community. Why do I know that? Because God is building his church. God is building his church. This is not a spiritual, this is not a country club for the spiritually elite. This is a hospital for the spiritually sick. And the day we open these doors and there's no longer somebody in here that's struggling, addicted, malnourished, and in need of Jesus and a couple of friends is the day we need to close the doors back because we've missed it. That's not the kind of church that he's building. This is the kind of church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Are y'all hearing me? Why do I know that? Because he said he would. Some of y'all are starting to get it. You'll, you'll, you'll catch on here in just a minute. Listen. We should not be amazed when 157 people show up on a Monday night for prayer. Why should we not be amazed? Because he said he would. Because he said he would. We should not be amazed when 408 people over the last year raised their hand to be born again at the end of a service in here. We should not be amazed. Why should we not be amazed? More of y'all are starting to catch on with where we're going here today. And can I tell you, last year you watched, you, you watched hundreds of people take next steps, like water baptism or going to a freedom group or attending in the freedom conference. You watched that. You watched people grow in ways they've never grown before. And we can't be amazed. We can't be amazed when we see that kind of growth happening in people, why? If I get one more phone call from somebody who says, Pastor Don, you're not gonna believe this. You're not gonna believe what God did. You're not gonna believe it. I might go crazy, the number of phone calls that I'm getting. My brother came to church for the first time, Pastor Don. How about this one? I prayed out loud with my family last night, Pastor Don. If I get one more of these phone calls, I'm telling you, Pastor Don, you're not going to believe this. My husband is born again. Pastor Don, my wife is pregnant. I passed the exam. I got the job. My neighbor came to church. He moved back home. I got the raise. There's no more cancer, Pastor Don. The doctor can't find it. We should not be amazed when those kind of things happen. Why? Because he said he would. And I added this one on Friday when I got the phone call. My back is healed completely, Pastor Don. I can't be surprised. Why? because he said he would, because he's going to build his church. And if those things don't fire you up, let me show you what God did this last year. It was once said that life is lived looking forward, but understood looking backward. Well, looking back, there's one undeniable truth about what we've seen as a church. God is faithful. 
Looking back, I'm reminded of our shepherd boy David's words when he said, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Now, if anyone was familiar with the faithfulness of God, it was David. You see, David was a shepherd and every shepherd had a staff. Now, in those days, it was tradition for shepherds to create carvings within their staff. Now, these carvings would represent pivotal moments of God's faithfulness throughout their lives. David defeating Goliath, David overcoming King Saul, David ascending to the throne of Israel. David's staff was more than a tool. It was his testimony, a visual reminder of what God had done. It was a testament of God's faithfulness. And as I look back, I'm reminded that this year, God's been faithful to us. in the past gives me faith for the future. From Malawi to the coast of Costa Rica, we'll be expanding our world missions. Not only is God expanding our reach globally, but locally as well. We'll be planning our Youngsville campus this upcoming year. More lives will be changed and faith revived through our retreat at sunset. And OSC College will be taking on the task of building the next generation of church leaders. And last but not least, we'll have an opportunity as the church to be the hands and feet of Jesus through restoring families and homes through foster care. What God has done and is doing for his people is so amazing. And here's the best part. He ain't done yet. I must have watched that 20 times since they finished it. And every single time it still brings a tear to my eye. I think that God would use us to do something like that for so many people. And I don't want to miss a moment. Just from right there where you are, can you just, can we celebrate? Thank you, Jesus. Use your words, church. Thank you, God, that you are doing a work that's bigger than any one of us. God, let us not take for granted the things that you have in store. You could use me, and you could use us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God's faithfulness in the past 
gives me faith for the future. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. So we talk about legacy all the time, a future without you, but still influenced by you. And every year around December time, we come together and we say, these are the things that God's put on our hearts. These are the things that we feel like he still wants to do. And we can't get there without each other participating and connecting and, and giving. And I've had people ask, Pastor Don, when are we going to announce how much money we raised? Here's what they're really asking. Pastor Don, are we going to be able to do all the things that God's put on our heart to do? Are we going to be able to launch that campus in Youngsville? Are we going to be able to radically impact foster care in our area? Are we going to be able to launch the college? Because there's some young people that really need the next step toward ministry. Pastor Don, are we going to be able to make a serious, unprecedented impact in unexpected pregnancies here in Iberia Parish? Are we going to be able to, to do That's what they're asking. It's not, the, it's not the amount of the money. It's can we do all the things that God has called us to do? And if you remember back in December, we said, listen, we're going to make some commitments. We're going to step out here. We've got some big things that God is in store. And we're going to go till March. And I want to ask you, make some commitments. Have them in by March. We gave you a runway because I wanted everybody to participate. And I wanted plenty of time for God to be able to do the things that he wants to do. Some of you prayed and said, God, if you'll get it to me, you can get it through me. Here's two things I want to update you on about legacy after saying all that and that God has a store. Number one, I know there's a lot of people in the room that you weren't here when we talked about that, but you want to jump in and be a part of what God's doing. There's still opportunity for you to come and participate financially. And then secondly, those of you that have commitments that you're still working on, we're almost there. Please make good on those commitments so that we can reach all of those things. Some of you know we need to make a difference, and this world needs to be touched by us. Are y'all with me? How many of you by the show of hands would say, I I believe God is building this church because I've seen God building in me this last year? Look around. I've seen God build in me this last year. Keith, you better have your hand raised. You need to raise all six hands for your family. I didn't say everything is perfect and everything's going to my schedule and plan. How many of you know you can be in process and still be right where God wants you to be? Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who were called according to his purpose. You heard Torn Wells sing last week, if it's not good, then it's not done. If it's not good, then it's not done. And you may be saying, it's great, Pastor Don, but I'm not even sure I believe in this whole church thing. I mean, I, I still feel very far away from God. I told you a lot of things today that God said he would do. Let me give you one more that he spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. This is from Jeremiah chapter 29. It says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Most of you stop there. The Christian bookstore stops there. Let's keep going. I'm going to show you what God's promised 
Verse 12, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and the most important part, verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I may be the first one in your life to ever look at you and tell you this with all sincerity. God is not hiding from you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. It is for your betterment. But there's a very real enemy out there that has a plan and a purpose for your life as well. And it is not for your good. It is not for your betterment. It is to get you stuck right where you are in the same cycle, unable to grow and go forward. The God we serve that sent his son to die for you and us, the one that is building this church and building the lives of the people that are around you. He's the one that has a plan and a purpose for your life, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away you are, no matter how deep it got, how sick you felt. He will be found by you. How do you know that, Pastor Don? You don't know my story. Oh, I do. I know that to be true. Why? Because he said he would. Because he said he would. I want to invite you to bow your heads. Close your eyes with me. We sang a song today. Take you at your word. These are the words that you sang. You said, I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I'll believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you start it, you'll complete it. I'll take you at your word. Some of you may be in here and you say, Pastor Don, I've never had an example of what a godly man or a godly woman looks like. I'm trying to do this marriage thing, but but I don't know how to do it. Some of you need to just start taking him at his word. Some of you need to start believing that if God said he would do it, he'll do it. Some of you need to be around and plug in and get to know some of these people that are sitting next to you. The depth of promises that have been fulfilled in a place like this is staggering. And if you're here today and you still feel very far from God, but you're starting to see some things differently, you're starting to wonder how different your life would be if you were to follow Jesus instead of following yourself. Can I tell you, he brought you to a church that he's building. This is not a place that a man is building with his own gifts and talents. This is not a place that is being built by a bunch of people who just think they know what's going on. This is a church that is being built by the very hand of God himself, and he wants to start building in your life also. There's an eternity set out before you. You may not realize this, but you're an eternally living spiritual being that just happens to be having a temporary physical experience called life here on earth. You're going to spend forever somewhere, either in heaven, restored and reconciled in your relationship with God, or in hell, the only place where God isn't reserved for those who said, no, God, I think I'm going to do it on my own and do it my way. God doesn't send people to hell. Their stagnation keeps them there. 
Jesus said you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again. Here's what he's meaning. You can't see your life with Jesus as Lord if God doesn't do a work in you on the inside first. That's why he wanted you to come here. That's why he wanted you to sit there. That's why he wanted you to hear the things that he put on my heart to share with you today. There are no coincidences. God has been pursuing you. If you're here today and say, Pastor John, how do I respond? How do I become born again? I would tell you it's just as simple as A, B, C. A, admit. Admit that your sin has separated you from a righteous and loving God. He never left you, you left him. You said, I'm gonna do it on my own. I think I know a better way. The first step to being reconciled with God is knowing and being able to admit, to agree with him that that thing you're doing, that place you're going, those people you're around, they're not helping you, they're hurting you. Can you admit it? Then be believe. Believe that God sent his only son, Jesus, to live a life you couldn't live, to pay a debt you couldn't pay, to be restored to your heavenly father if you're saying Pastor Don I can admit that I believe that Jesus came just for me what next see confess confess him as Lord and Savior just like Peter that day that kind of thing is not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by the spirit of God in heaven and if you're here and you say Pastor Don I can admit I believe and I confess that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I want to pray a prayer with you. The prayer doesn't save you. That revelation from God that allowed you to get here to even be able to raise your hand is what saved you. But if you're saying, Pastor Don, would you pray with me? I want to be born again. I want to acknowledge what God is doing in my heart. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's moving around. The Christians in this room that have already prayed this prayer are praying for you right now. And if you hear you say, Pastor Don, I have not been born again. I haven't prayed to ask God to come and live inside of me. But I'd like to do that now. I want to ask you right where you are to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with. Go ahead, raise your hand. Thank you, I see your hand, both of you. Thank you, I see your hand. Up in the balcony. Thank you, I see your hand. I see your hand. Yes, sir, I see your hand on the floor. Yes, sir, both of you sitting together, I see your hand. I see your hand. Those of you that raise your hands, you can put them down. I'm about to pray and lead us in a prayer. If you want to be included in that prayer and you didn't raise your hand just a few minutes ago, now's the time. Don't miss this moment, this opportunity. God wants to build inside of you. There's no coincidences. If you didn't raise your hand earlier and you want to be included, I see you. Raise your hand right now so I know I'm praying with you. I see it, sir. I see it. Put your hands down right now. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I want to ask all of us to pray this prayer out loud, indicative of the fact that nobody walks through Christianity alone. Say this with me out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. Give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, 
Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate with all those?